My email won't stop going off if it's not it. I'm gonna bang my head on the microphone. Did you know that since 1945, all British tanks are outfitted with tea-making equipment? During World War II, it was seen by UK intelligence that most loss of tanks were during the soldiers' tea time, when the armored cavalry would take their tea on the side of the road. The Germans would strike, so onboard tea services were provided in hopes of ending the tea time tank destruction. Welcome to the Lore of the South. South. Follow the show on social media to keep up with what's going on and to see pics that go along with each episode. Search for Lore of the South on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Welcome back to Lore of the South with me, Kelly Cruz. How the heck are y'all doing? Y'all, this heat... I'm so thankful not to have to work outside in this mess anymore. Stay hydrated and y'all get in the AC quick if y'all start feeling lightheaded or any symptoms of becoming overheated. Heat stroke is no joke. Can y'all believe that it's back to school already? Doesn't it still feel like July and we're halfway through August? Or more than halfway now, I guess. This is crazy. It has flown by, but you know what? Honestly, it can just keep flying because um, I'm really looking forward to some cooler air. And also, y'all, it's been really hot, and we haven't had a single hurricane. But California apparently is getting one, which is weird. I wonder how often that happens. I should Google that. But yeah, it's been wild. I guess a bunch of parts of the country are dealing with tornadoes and flooding and fires. So everybody hang in there. Oh, and aliens. Hello, we just had another disclosure, what, a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't even talk about it on the last episode. But you know, yeah, aliens. Are we surprised? I'm not sure we actually have the ability to be surprised anymore. Or, you know, I also have, like, like this little negative thing in the back of my brain that's like, could this dude be a plant? Like, did the government... Is it another wag the dog situation? Like, y'all look over here while they talk about the aliens. And we ready some new military offense. You never know. You never know what's really going on. But, you know, maybe we will find out one day when all of this is history. I think it'll probably be a topic that we'll um, talk about on the Patreon side of things with producer Mike. So now let's dig up some history-making news. This story comes from Vintage News. Ancient DNA from two victims from the 79 CE Mount Vesuvius eruption has been sequenced. A man ranging in age from 35 to 40 years old and a woman who was about 50 were trapped in their home by the blast. The analysis of the pair show why they might have chosen not to flee from the impending disaster. The woman's DNA was full of gaps and made her sample pretty much unusable. But a study of her bones showed that she had a severe type of arthritis and getting around would have been extremely hard for her and painful. The man's DNA, however, they had much more luck with. They gathered from his sequencing that he was originally from Sardinia, a Roman province, 
and he also suffered from advanced stages of tuberculosis. So advanced, in fact, that his bones were affected. I think the bacteria, it goes into the lymphatic system and then it can invade your bones. And I believe it has kind of like the same kind of effects of some types of arthritis where it um, makes the bone extra porous, like a honeycombing effect. And it can cause like your bones to easily break. And basically it's like another, it's like tuberculosis causing arthritis. I'm sure there's probably like a technical term, medical term for it, but I'm just putting it in Kelly Lore of the South terms. So could this pair's poor health have been what kept them from escaping? And y'all, I gotta add another personal note here. Pompeii is on my bucket list of places to see. I became obsessed with the history of this city in probably about the fifth grade. Do y'all remember weekly readers? They were like newspapers for kids. Well, my class in the fifth grade, Mrs. McKellips, probably one of my favorite teachers of all times, she got my little hyper self and recognized there was a little creativity in there and she got me. I had very few teachers, especially in elementary school, they got me, but Mrs. McKellips did. She was the best. Anyways, so back to my obsession with Pompeii in the fifth grade. Um, so one week, the story in there, the main story was about Pompeii, and I was riveted. Every aspect of it was fascinating to me. The people seemingly caught unawares by the blast of Vesuvius, and there were people from all walks of life living in the shadow of this volcano. And they just were going about their lives, and then bam, it was all gone. Well, seemingly so, though. The city was buried under several feet of ash and pumice, and the ash preserved that city and its amazing buildings and streets. And things that would have long ago turned to dust, like human remains and even this crazily preserved ceremonial wedding cart they just recently found. It's fascinating. So... I think I spent probably the rest of that year, um, every time we had library day, looking for books about Pompeii with a little side of um, Little House on the Prairie because I was in love with that book series about that time too. Um, Y'all ever get an obsession like that? I've always done it. Devour everything you could get your hands on about a certain topic. There's a great documentary on PBS. Um, on Amazon Prime, I subscribe to PBS Masterpiece and PBS documentary. So I'm not sure if you can get it like on the regular PBS channels, but there's a really good um, doc out there about Pompeii. And I think it was been recorded like over the last three years. So it's a pretty recent one and it talks about some of their more recent discoveries. So if you're interested, look for that. And so now let's get to today's topic. Elle sent me an email a week or so ago with an interesting link attached. Um, it was a YouTube video about a woman in 1900 who was so heartbroken over the loss of her sweetheart that she took it into her mind to marry his ghost. Y'all, wild and crazy is not a new thing. <laughs> we could see it from these stories. Um, after reading Elle's email, it gave me the idea to do an episode about odd couples of history. I'm going to try to leave out the naughty bits um, from some of these stories and just report the facts. And 
y'all i wish y'all could see me doing air quotes all the time when i read these things um thank you l for the show suggestion and i hope y'all enjoy episode 70 odd couples in history oh and trigger warning y'all um this one might get a bit controversial and pretty dark in some spots so listener beware Okay, we're going to start off with Elle's story out of Cameron, Oklahoma. The story of Bessie Brown. It's an odd one indeed. Bessie was the belle of Cameron. She was considered very pretty and came from a wealthy family. She probably had many suitors, but John Allen was the only man for her. The couple planned to marry, but just mere weeks before the ceremony was to take place, John was killed in a train crash. Bessie was inconsolable, and her parents felt helpless, but also felt like time would heal all wounds. Well, it didn't go that way for Bessie. The Browns brought in experts of the time to try to diagnose any other underlying issues Bessie might be having, but the doctors all found her to be mentally competent, only seriously depressed. Two years go by, and Bessie's condition is only getting worse. Her depression is now affecting her physical well-being. The Browns feared for the worse. Then suddenly, one day, out of the blue, Bessie seemed to perk up. She told her parents that the cause for the change was that John had finally come to her. Y'all know that sentence had her father run into the telegraph office to find another specialist to come see Bessie. This time, a doctor came all the way from Dallas to check on Bessie, who too found her mentally stable and said that she really believes she's seeing her dead fiancé. The doctor even managed to convince the parents that it wasn't drug use either. I guess the doc from Dallas did the trick, and the Browns loosened the reins on Bessie. Well, y'all, between you and me, I'm not so sure this was such a good idea, but it made Bessie happy. So, Bessie then goes and talks to the family's preacher. She insists that he marry her to the ghost of her dead love, John Allen. The preacher tried his best to talk her out of it, even saying it would be a sin to marry a spirit. But Bessie convinces him. Not sure how she did it. Maybe the preacher took pity on her. Or maybe Bessie had enough greenbacks to convince the preacher that marrying a ghost wasn't all that sinful after all. So the preacher agrees to marry Bessie and the ghost of John. Before the ceremony, Bessie rented a five-room cottage in town and had it all furnished so that it would be ready and waiting for the newlyweds. So let's set the scene of the wedding, y'all. Bessie, along with a pair of witnesses, meet with the preacher at midnight in the burial ground. They gathered around John's grave and the minister performed the marriage ceremony. Bessie and her ghost groom left immediately for their cottage and entered wedded bliss. For years to come, Bessie would be seen sitting on her front porch, conversing to thin air. She'd take strolls in the evening and be heard talking to her ghost groom as she promenaded down the streets of Cameron. Later, neighbors would report that at times they could hear what seemed to be both a man and a woman's voice coming from the house. 
Some of the townspeople even came to believe that the spirit of John Allen did return to his distressed fiance. These two wouldn't even be separated by death. Who do we have next? Um, this one is much more recent. It is about one Amanda Teague from Northern Ireland. She's a self-proclaimed witch and practitioner of Eastern beliefs. And she looks like she's a um, pirate reenactor person. I'll have to post pictures. It's a trip. So in 2014, during a holiday, Amanda was meditating when the ghost of a Haitian pirate appeared to her. At first, she felt he was very rude to intrude on her space and quiet time. She told him to leave. He did. But he kept coming back, and soon she developed feelings for the old Captain Jack Teague, who she also claims to have been the inspiration for Captain Jack Sparrow. Y'all know all, like I said a minute ago, we gonna post pictures to go along with this one. Then in 2018, after having an extended affair with her ghost captain, the pair decided to marry. Amanda chartered a boat and sailed out into the Atlantic. She and Jack were married by a shaman at sea. They were happy for a while together until Amanda found a live man. Just post-pandemic. She has since been spiritually divorced from her ghost pirate and is now engaged to a living man. Amanda has now told reporters that she does not recommend marrying the occult in any way. And marriage between the living is the best way forward. Y'all best wishes to Amanda and her new man. So those first two were kind of a mix of sad and funny. Heck, maybe even harmless. But y'all, this next one is disturbing. And it happened less than 100 years ago. It's fairly well-known story. Um, bear with me if you've heard it before. But it's a wild tale and... I probably could have done a whole episode about it, but it fit too well with the theme of this one. So hold on to your butts. Here we go. Carl Tanzler was born in 1877 in Dresden, Germany. He was a radiologist and had a love of boats and a flair for the dramatic. He oftentimes would introduce himself as Count von Tanzler. He somehow ended up in Australia just as the First war World War was breaking out. And him being a German citizen along with several other groups, they were all placed into concentration camps to keep them safe and Australia safe from espionage. Y'all, I didn't even know that we had like internment camps during World War One. I. I know we did in World War Two, but not in the first World War. So that was interesting to learn. After the war, he made his way back to Germany to find out if his mother had made it through or not. He stayed, he found her, and stayed with her for a couple of years, even meeting and marrying a woman and having two kids with her. Carl's mother then convinces him to go to America where his sister was and try to make a better life for his family. He did. He moved to Zephyr Hills, Florida, and his wife and children soon followed. In 1927, he accepted a position as a radiology tech at the Marine Hospital in Key West where there he went by Carl von Kossel. It was here that he met Maria Elena Milgro de Hoyos, 
a pretty young tuberculosis patient at the hospital. He was 32 years her senior. Carl was 53 at the time, and she was a very sick 21. He claimed that she was the woman of his dreams, that an ancestor of his had literally come to him and showed him Maria Elena, that Maria was his true love. He soon became obsessed with curing her, and for this reason, Maria Elena's family accepted his attentions towards their daughter. He brought both x-ray and different electric medical devices to try to save his young love. Though all of his attempts were for naught, Maria Elena passed away in 1931. Carl then asked the Oyos permission to pay for the burial of Maria. The family agreed, and Carl had a lovely mausoleum built. Once sweet Maria was enclosed in her final resting place, Carl began visiting her body on a nightly basis. He said that her spirit would oftentimes appear and plead with him to take her body. And in 1933, he did just that. In the middle of the night, he crept into the graveyard, removed Maria Elena from her tomb, placed her body in a little red wagon, and wheeled her from the cemetery back to his home. Okay, y'all, this is where it's fixing to get really weird real quick, so be prepared. Once home, Carl set about trying to halt two years of decomp and further preserve her body. He went in and used piano wire to keep all of her joints together. So, y'all, he, like, wired her bones together. Like, you know, picture a, a skeleton in, like, a classroom and how all of, like, the joints and stuff are, like, hinged and wired together. That's what he did on this woman's corpse. He wired her bones together. He then stuffed her chest and abdominal cavity with rags so that it would absorb any seepage and also help her body maintain its shape. As her skin began to disintegrate, especially her face, he'd use a combination of silk, wax, and plaster of Paris to try to hold her together and protect her beauty. He'd dress her in beautiful clothes from the skin out, and used tons of disinfectants and perfumes to mask the odors that emanated from dear Maria. As her hair fell out, he collected it and made a wig for her. He was trying his best to keep this two-year-old corpse together. Finally, in 1940, word had gotten out about the strange goings-on at Carl's place. He was even seen through a window to be dancing with someone or something. And it didn't take long for this info to get back to the oils. Maria Elena's sister confronted Carl. She then discovered the truth. For the past eight years, this man had been living as a married man to the body of her sister. She immediately called the law. Carl was arrested and underwent a psychological exam to see if he was fit to stay in trial. He was deemed fit. Meanwhile, the authorities examined Maria's remains. I'm not going to go into any more detail about that, um, about what all Carl had done to Maria's body. Y'all can Google that yourselves. It was rough, and the dude was obviously not mentally stable, whatever the authorities might have said. The funeral home that Maria was eventually taken to put the body on display, and around 7,000 people came to see her. She was then returned to the cemetery and placed in an 
unmarked grave to prevent Tanzler from coming for Maria ever again. Carl was briefly charged, but due to a statute of limitations, he was released. He then moved back up to Zephyr Hill's area near his wife. She apparently cared for him until his death in 1952. Oh, and y'all, he never did get over Maria Elena. Apparently, he managed to keep a hold of a death mask he had made of her face. He used it and then made a stuffed body version of her that he kept with him always. Well, after that one, how about just a kind of a list of a smidge odd or even funny couples? A lot of people have married themselves. Um, there was a lady who married the Eiffel Tower. Um, one person even married a Ferris wheel after she had had failed relationships with a plane and a train. Some guys have a thing for dolls, several have married lifelike dolls, but one man married a Barbie. A woman from the UK married a boulder because she said it wasn't going to go anywhere. Somebody has abandonment issues. An environmentalist took tree hugging to another level when he married a tree. And y'all, this is going to be the last one. But, oh my goodness. Okay, a woman eloped with a cardboard cutout of Edward Cullen, the forever teen vampire from the Twilight series. Y'all, they eloped to Vegas. They had a Vegas wedding. So, I found those slightly humorous. And y'all, my only side note, well, I guess actually I have a couple. As, y'all, people are wild. <laughs> And if you want more info about Carl and Maria, I think the dollop did an early episode about them. But y'all be warned, they go into gruesome detail, but their story is gonna be much more in depth than my brief telling. Oh, and can y'all believe that after all of that, his wife still took care of him? It was a different time, y'all, cause um, no ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> That's just too much. And now we come to our oldest buildings by state, brought to us by the Discoverer blog. Since I mentioned Vegas, let's stay in Nevada. Well, that and it's next in alphabetical order. So, as a matter of fact, the oldest building is in Vegas. Um, it's known as the Mormon Fort, and it was built in 1855 by Mormon missionaries. And it's located in the city limits of Las Vegas itself. So if you're there, maybe stop by and visit it. In New Hampshire, it's a house that was built by a cooper, a barrel maker, in 1664. It's known as the Richard Jackson House, and it can be toured in Portsmouth from June to October. Well, I guess this one almost ended on kind of a darker note, but I think the silly weddings might have lightened it up a little bit. I've got one shout out this week. Al tells me that her grandson also likes the podcast. So, hey to Jabe. Thanks for listening. And y'all always wonder, you know, Jabe and everyone else, what is y'all's favorite episode? What's yours, Jabe? Tell your grandma to pass it along to me. I'm super curious. Okay, and that's it for this week. Y'all try to stay cool out there. No, that's not happening in the South. But I hear it's starting to cool off in some of the northern states. A friend had to make sure I saw their daytime temps were in the 70s and they're in the 50s at night. Oh, I'm so jealous. But you know what? 
they'll be crying in a few months when they're having to dig out of the snow and we're down here enjoying the 70 degree days so our turn is coming fingers crossed y'all be sure to follow us on social media facebook instagram producer mike does tiktoks for us every once in a while little previews and we also the audio version is available on youtube if you prefer to listen to your podcast that way if you want to get in touch like l did you can email the show at laura the south at gmail.com if you would be so kind if you like what you heard please consider leaving us a five-star review and a few kind words it helps a lot i think we're up to a 4.5 check out the patreon we do a follow-up episode after each episode with producer mike and i sit down and talk about what the show is about and so you get a couple of those a month plus you get an extra show so like I'll sit down and write like a full like almost a full episode and you get an extra episode every month on Patreon too and you can get all that for as little as $3 a month so search for The Lore of the South on Patreon.com if you're interested and with that we'll talk to y'all later on Lore of the South stay tuned for a preview of our latest Patreon episode first case that I came across was from the 1400s and it was a night in Milan, Italy. And after drinking a very strong wine, he belched flames and then seemingly ignited right in front of his parents. Ooh, that could have been oily hair, too. Like, if he burped and... But I, I wonder what would have ignited the The, the belch. Flame. Yeah. Candle on the table. Gassy. That's... that's Ca- hair catches fire. Yeah, it could have been. You know, I, you know. I I'm mean, just... everything was magic in the 1400s. Oh yeah, yeah. Every... They probably thought, oh, and I've been watching Grimm again, y'all. So like now I'm like, he's one of them dragon people, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he internally combusted when he belched flames. Yeah, because he's one of them dragon folks. If you loved what you heard, check out the Patreon page for exclusive content by searching for the Lore of the South on Patreon.com. Um, Amanda chartered a boat and they sailed out into the Atlantic. Oh, I saw that word. I sounded like I'm Pedro Pascal and I'm in the hospital. I'm just looking up from a coma. LA, I like LA.